Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome, Ken Roshan on Voice America Influencer Channel. Excited about our guest today. I almost want to do this as simply charades, but we decided we were going to go vocal again for the next time. So, Andrea, I'm excited to have this conversation with Rob. Can you bring him on with an astounding biography? Well, I can, but first I'm going to thank our sponsors. So our sponsors are opus.finance and bees.social. By the way, be looking out for M2 to be released any day. That is a cryptocurrency that will change your life and change the world. We also want to thank the emffix.com, mymakeuplady.com, Lynn Benavides, the Umbrella Syndicate, the Red Carpet Connection, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA, and of course, Voice America Influencers Channel. And I'm your co, well, what am I? I'm your executive producer. That's what I am, Andrea mm-hmm. Adams, Dr. Andrea Adams Miller, and Dr. Ken Rashan, known as Dr. Smiley, your host here on Amplified with Ken Rashan. And uh, yes, we can bring in Rob right away. Let me go ahead and pull his screen up and pull him on camera. So, Rob, we are jumping right to you today. So, that is super fun. Let me bring him back on. Uh, let me unmute him and ask him to start his video. So he is, uh, you went a little quicker on me today, Ken, so I didn't well. have everything <laughs> up. <laughs> Usually we banter back and forth a couple moments. So uh, Rob Angel uh, started out as a waiter. All right. Hey, Seattle, we'll ban- no- hey, wait, wait. We'll banter for a second. How was your Mother's Day? Ah. Well, thank you. Uh, my Mother's Day was absolutely wonderful. Uh, my grandchildren came over and and painted me um, um, acrylics um, uh, so or an oil painting. So I was so excited to have those. Uh, one is of butterflies and one's of a flower growing near a hay mound. <laughs> or grass mound so uh, very exciting to have that and then I went and visited my grandmother last night and my aunts and my grandmother agreed to do a keep smiling chapter so we will have five generations of keep smiling stories from my family so that'll be really exciting thank you you're welcome and I really do mean that and it was a nice end to my birthday week uh, so as uh, you guys might remember, uh, last week we celebrated my birthday, which was on Tuesday. And um, it, um, so, and, and if you don't mind, Ken, I'd like to shout out to Kathy Hinton, who um, uh, was one of my best friends who died on my birthday. So um, the, the good thing about that is every year on my birthday, I will still be able to remember her and have her with me. And so I've decided to take that as a blessing. So um it was a difficult week, but I got through it, and I'll be able to move forward with her always um, sharing that with me. Awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, we don't feel like we're losing them anymore. So, I mean, when we went to Frank Shankowitz's funeral, and Frank is one of the people that, of course, endorsed and is kind of a common tie between all of us on this channel, that we remember that someone's life is here as a present. And so when they do go, we have to be thankful we got a piece of uh, their soul and their joy. So Absolutely. let's bring this let's bring this young yeah. man on. He's he's been doing his jumping jacks and everything to get all healthy and wealthy for this. Well, show. 
<laughs> and I told him I was so excited because one of the things that I, we celebrate every year is Pictionary, uh, which is a game that we often play on my birthday or around it. And so Rob Angel, as I had said, started out, a, uh, well, he, <laughs> not that he started out, but at one point went from a 26-year-old waiter from Seattle with no plan, no experience, no money, and created the iconic board game Pictionary with no manual to consult. He made his own rules by relying on intuition, hard work, and an unwavering entrepreneurial spirit to build Pictionary into a global powerhouse. Putting together the first 1,000 games by hand, I didn't know that, that's amazing. He mastered all the needed business skills, including sales, marketing, and distribution, and in four years, and with only two employees, it became the biggest selling board game in the world. For the next 15 years, he shepherded Pictionary to worldwide sales of 38 million games in over 60 countries in 45 languages. He sold Pictionary to a giant or to um, the toy giant Mattel in 2001 and now he spends his time doing what makes him happy, philanthropy, mentoring, investing and raising his children and he recently released the book Game Changer uh, which is a look at his, his history with Pictionary and a roadmap to success on his own terms. He says, sometimes not knowing the rules of the game or simply deciding not to follow them allows you to innovate and succeed in ways no one previously had or dared to dream. Rob's new journey is one of spiritual exploration, and he continues to stay open to whatever adventure the universe has in store for him next. And we start with that today. So thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Rob. So glad to see you here. Thanks for making the trek from New York all the way to our virtual <laughs> show. Hey, I want to tell you something. I got, a, I guess, a little bit of good news and a little bit of bad news to start the show. But uh, So this uh, drawing that you did, <laughs> yeah, it took me over two or three hours in going through a lot of the dictionary, and I should have started A instead of going backwards from C. Uh -huh. I figured out it's an aardvark. Yeah. Well, I was so impressed with your drawing after I actually really looked at it. I have a little bad news. You're going to have to reprint your uh, statement about you sold 38 million uh, board games of Pictionary because I just bought another one. So now it's 38 million and one. Uh, that's the bad news. <laughs> well, it's not the bad news. It's just a lot of reprinting. So uh, I just wanted to let you know I really believe in it. And I went and bought a second game. So now I have two. Well, so if I get tired with the first one, I can go play the second. Yeah, you wear that first one out from playing it over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I have to tell our audience that you and I practiced a long time for this show. And because uh, I, I had read this part in your book and it said re reporter, which could be, of course, podcast host. Tell me, how did you invent this game? And then you said Rob Angel. And then I said, no, not who, how? And you said, oh, two years ago. Okay, then tell me about... Uh, you're growing up in Spokane. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I never brought that up on air before. That man, that, I mean, that yeah. is an awesome, that is an awesome interview. Yeah. And it was one of my favorite parts of the book, actually. <laughs> funny. Oh, my first interview, it was, I was so terrified. I'd never been on camera. And I was talking about my invention for the first time. And I have zero idea what the guy asked me. I mean, he was all the simple questions. And so by the time it was done, I don't know if I had cured cancer or, you know, sunk to Lusitania. <laughs> so, you know, it's all uphill from here. Oh, right? yeah. So um, I, I read later in the book in 1987, it was kind of a, a renaissance of board games. They, they became a really a very powerful part of the toy industry, the yeah. board games. And I guess I was kind of scratching my head and thinking, you know, had you not taken all the steps you took 
to invent this, you wouldn't have tipped and had a, a tipping point in 1987 where you were able to enjoy the fact that you were part of that wave. And had you done this much later in life, you may not have had quite that impact. Is that true? Oh, timing. Absolutely, positively. Yeah. It was, you know, it's one of the biggest reasons for failure or success. And if we had come out in 1982, four years, seven years earlier, when I discovered Pictionary, it wouldn't have been successful. The, the, the people weren't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it to bring it out. And yep. so we were riding the Trivial Pursuit wave, really what it was. And, you know, that was back in the day. Everybody's playing video games now where you're online. Back then, it was video games. Or excuse me, it was board games. Right. And so I was just given what was given me in the time, which were uh, the interaction of the game. Well, I really enjoyed your book. I, I have to say this is... It was a little intimidating, a little thick there, but I said, you know yeah. what, L let me go and, and you know, you have some great people on the team that really put this book together with you. And I love the fact that you would not use any other company, but Amplify and that our show is Amplified. Uh -huh. I see this trend that you're doing. <laughs> I thought you were going to hold up a white thing, uh, sheet or <laughs> have something in the background that had your drawing for what Amplify or Amplified looks like. Okay, Ken, we're going to get something out of the way here. Mr. Tell me. Dictionary sucks at his own game. <laughs> I'm terrible, man. I mean, I can't draw. You know, I'm supposed to be able to, so you don't want me on your team. So that's a lot of pressure. I can talk. You know, Rob, I want to give you a break because I play with five-year-olds and two-year-olds, and I have found it's actually in the power of guessing, and you just have to be able to do a little telepathy with those stick figures and those scribbles. <laughs> yeah. That was our marketing. When we figured out Pictionary was a guessing game, not a drawing game, Right. our own marketing and everything changed. Yeah, and uh, I, I love your dialogues that you share with your early uh, on attempts at actually figuring out how words are working for you. So, a really enjoyable book. Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to go to defining moments that actually caused you to create what you did. And uh, what I got out of the book was that your dad being fired and you being uh, kind of an academic probation at the time seemed to be kind of a, a lightning storm right. that allowed you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so talk about that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just talking about it this morning that when I was growing up, you know, I had this dream, this, this goal of being my dad. I mean, a lot of boys do, a lot of girls do. And he was a business guy. He was running a company. And I thought, okay, here's my dream. Here's my goal. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work towards that. And so I started working for him. It was a big steel company and they had a warehouse and a, all these different parts. And I thought it was cool. Thought he was the big man on campus and he's running the joint and that's what I'm going to do. So in effect, my dream was pretty much Shanghai by his. Now I didn't really stop it, you know, eight, nine or eighth grade, ninth grade to go, Ooh, do I really want to do this or not? It was like, I'm going all in. And so I started working there during the summers and I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. So I'm still kind of building up to that. And I'm going to college now at 18 years old with the thought of taking over of being this, you know, the big man on campus being the, the businessman. Well, that whole dream went right out the freaking window when he gets fired, right? I mean, halfway through my freshman year, he gets fired. Uh, difference of opinion. We just always leave it at that with the uh, management. And now here I'm at in college and I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden the rugs pulled out from under me because his dream is gone. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. Now my dream is gone. If he can get fired, being the president of the company, if he's the big guy, if he's running the show and he gets fired, 
that didn't sit well with me. And so I was floundering. It took me a little while. I'm going, no, I've got to develop my own dream, which, you know, we all know now that's what you're supposed to do anyway. But I wasn't doing that. So it took, it took me a while to go, okay, what do I really want? What really does success look like for me? And I guess that's a segue for Aardvark, right? <laughs> you want to talk about the Aardvark now? I do, I do. Well, yeah. I mean, finding your Aardvark is uh, kind of the point of, yeah. I guess, the end of the book. So, yeah, right. why don't you share with the audience what that means? So I finally decide I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I take a bunch of entrepreneur, entrepreneur clap. They got to make that an easier word, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to work for myself. That's what it used to be. I'm going to, I'm going to be my own employer. Right. Uh, and so I move in with three buddies after college, I'm 22 years old, and we discover charades on paper. We're basically just sketching words out of the dictionary. That's pretty simple, pretty easy. But we're playing it all night long. And then the next night and the next night. So I say, this would make a good board game. Okay, because that's what we did. I'm 22 by now. And I did, I think, what most of us do. Uh, I procrastinated. I'm 22. I, go, I, don't, I don't have the skills. You know, my mindset was I was a waiter. And I just kind of panicked a little bit. I go, I'm not ready. Who were the friends that you played with? Where? Who? Who were the friends? Three high school buddies. Okay. So they were not your uh, future partners. They weren't Gary and Terry. They were not Gary and Terry. No. Okay. We, uh, we just had different skill sets. Gotcha. Uh, right. And so, so finally I procrastinate and I procrastinate, but I couldn't shake this silly idea, right? How many times have we, I, call, I liken it to you're in the shower, you're washing your hair and you have this great idea. And then by the time you're drying your hair, you have no idea what the idea was. You know, you got this great, and oh, you're all pissed off. That wasn't me. I could not shake the idea. So I had to break it down in terms that I could understand, which was the simplest thing first just one step at a time. That was the word list. So I had to make the word list. So I went in the backyard, literally without thinking, pad of paper, a dictionary, and a pen, and open up the dictionary. And the first word, here it comes, Ken, the first word that made sense was aardvark. So I write down the word aardvark. Now it's, it had taken me, my voice goes up an octave when I talk about this, right? It takes <laughs> three years for me to write down the word aardvark. It took 30 seconds to write the second word, which was abacus. And after I wrote Arnvark, I'm going, what was your problem? Why did you wait so long? It's not that hard. Right? It was this big mystery of everything that had to happen. But it really didn't. You know, business plans, marketing plans, partners. No, it wasn't that difficult writing that first word and then the second and the third. So by three months later, 5,018 words. And by then, my mindset was now. I am a game inventor, no longer a waiter. So, you know, people say, how did Pictionary get started? I never say with a great idea. It started with writing down the word aardvark. That was a catalyst. That was the first physical step. And that's why I'm sitting here, for sure. And the name uh, Pictionary, that was uh, a revelation, a holy grail, if you will. Yeah. How did how, you come up with that? I uh, remember those three guys in college or after uh -huh. college. One of them. We were playing uh, one night, looking at the dictionary, and he started playing this game called Fictionary, which later became Balderdash. I don't know if you remember that game. Mm, yep, right. Right? Good friend of mine who I still talk to, we're still good friends, invented that, Laura Robinson. Uh, small game invented community. And he started playing Fictionary, and he goes, hey, how about Dictionary? Hey, Pictionary, that's it. It was like instant. 
Very cool. Well, I want to regress a little bit. And where, where were you born? What was your childhood like? Uh, I was born in Canada, Vancouver, but I grew up in Spokane, Washington, a very typical middle class. It was great. Middle class neighborhood, a cul-de-sac. There was about 25 kids. And every summer we'd get together almost every night and play kick the can. And during the winters, we'd play board games, you know, 10, 12 kids. So it was very, you know, Norman Rockwell almost. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah, it was fabulous. Fabulous. So that's where my love of board games started. And Risk, by the way, was my favorite. Oh, what a killer game. That game is so addictive. (laughs) So uh, did you think by any chance at that time that this is what you wanted to do with your life? Or was it just a subconscious seed? Oh, seed was planted without knowing it. No idea what I was going to do. I still still don't half the time. Why, you know, why worry about it then? Uh, But I I kind of figured out a a, a philosophy that I was going to be, as I call it, open, aware, and present. So when I go, I still go through my life like that. So I'm open to all things. So when my roommate said, hey, you want to play a game? Sure, I'm open to playing. Or I don't judge people. I've just opened. Present means I'm in the moment. So when we were playing, we were playing. You don't want to be thinking elsewhere because you never know when that opportunity is going to come. So that's being, you know, being present in that moment. And then the aware is that, that aha moment. You go, okay. I'm going to do this, or this makes sense, or I love what I'm doing. So just be aware of those moments. And that progression got me to Pictionary. That progression got me to other events, other games. That progression got me to other inventions and creations. It's just, for me, it just always works really well. And it's not a conscious decision. Well, I was having a little, I guess, small epiphany while you were talking about thinking back to what you just said about risk, that that was your favorite game. Mm-hmm. And I think risk is really an ultimate experience for an entrepreneurial mindset because you're looking at how you take over a market or how you are able to dominate on some level, whatever your service or product is. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking, do you think some of the games you played caused you to have that entrepreneurial edge? And if so, which ones? <laughs> I have never been asked that question, Ken. Uh, well, that's what epiphanies do for me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I appreciate that. I like I like the idea of it. I'm just gonna say no. No. <laughs> well, thank uh, you for not saying that was a stupid question. I'd like to answer with no. <laughs> I think that's what I said. No. Oh shoot. <laughs> no, no. Uh, kidding. I uh, guess if you want to stretch that, yeah, it was okay. World domination. Uh, but I think you know we'll make it a little more esoteric. Without question, games in general for me were community collaboration, were fun, were, were people and things to do with people. That's what it was all about for me, whether it was risk, monopoly, kick the can. It's that sense of community, tribe, if, if you will. And that was a really big, really big deal. So there was a part in the end of the book where you shared that you were uh, the secret knock community and that someone handed you a folded piece of paper uh, just giving you a real compliment that their life was changed because of your game. And yeah. I'd like you to share in your own words how important, I guess, because Secret Knock is where we met. Greg Reed's idea of creating a community of disruptors and entrepreneurs and um, leaders that are really making the world better is the only reason I know you. And it's through many Secret Knocks that I finally 
either had the courage or said, you know what, I've, I've taken this picture several times. I think it's time to have a conversation. So I'm really glad we did. Uh, but talk about how important that community was and what it has helped create for you afterwards. And, that's, yeah. and that specific story too, the folded paper. Yeah, that, that paper. People ask me when I knew Pictionary was going to be successful or was successful. And physically, I never knew. When you invent something, create something, market something, start a business, you kind of hope and pray that it's going to be, but you have to physically or mentally decide what is it that defines success for me. And it could be money. It could be anything. doesn't matter. For me, it was the intention of Pictionary was to recreate this community because I was having so much fun with my roommates. I wanted to package the excitement, the fun. And that's what I wanted to, the energy of it. That's what I wanted to share. And so the story you're talking about was a real man kicking the pants in such a good way. Uh, we were at this conference and it was actually my first speech I'd ever given. And I was nervous. And after it, this kid comes up and he hands me a note. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, am I in trouble? What have I done? And finally he leaves and I, and I read it. And he's, it said in effect that when he was in ninth grade that he wasn't learning. He was failing out of high school and his teachers were concerned, his parents loved him, but they were concerned. They just couldn't figure out how to help him. And, you know, he was lost and no friends. And then one day his therapist brings out Pictionary Junior. He remembers it was Pictionary Junior. And he starts playing Pictionary Junior and guess what? That's how he communicated, through drawing, mm -hmm. right? Not through words, through drawing. All of a sudden, he's playing this game, and all of a sudden, he realizes he can sketch. So he goes back out to class, and he starts doodling. And he starts doodling pictures of his friends or the people he knows. Now, all of a sudden, this kid's gone from zero to, hey, draw my picture, draw my picture. And so now he's got all these friends, and people like him, and he's graduating with all these, these things he never thought possible. He did not see his life going that way. And he acknowledges that without Pictionary, it never would have happened. And I call it cosmic gravy, the unintended consequences of what I did. And it was one of those moments, those, I still have to note, those shining moments where everything I put out into Pictionary, the intention of community, the intention of collaboration, the intention of just bringing smiles to people's faces were all encapsulated in that one moment. And it was huge. I mean, it, I, I still get choked up. It was a beautiful moment. Well, I, I love it too because I was an ADD student that uh, was kind of pushed into a corner because I was bored out of my mind. I, and so I was just told, go ahead and draw all day. And so I was literally in a second grade room able to ignore everything that was happening in the class and just draw all day. So your game, Pictionary, was something that I was rather good at. And I enjoyed oh, yeah. the fact I could very well communicate with my pencil or pen. But um, you, that particular story, just to bring up how important it is, it says in the book that <clears throat> he became a cartoonist and yeah. has been appeared numerous times in New York, uh, the New Yorker and Mad Magazine, among others. Did you want to share who that was? Are you allowed to? Uh, Al well, yeah, I'm Alan Wilterdink. I don't know if he's actually printing anymore, doing okay. it anymore, but uh, yeah. Alan Wilterdink. Yeah. The Alan Wilterdink from, uh, I guess, the income store, I guess, is where he used to work, or with uh, Ken Corright. Is that correct? 
Uh, is he in Pennsylvania? I think. Because he uh, is a cartoonist. I mean, he... he yeah, he, pull up one of your pictures, Ken, and make sure it's not. <laughs> well, he, that guy deserves mentioning because well, he, he's funnier than I'll get out. Oh, he's one of the funniest people I've, <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> and he was... He, uh, he did a book with me called The Art of Photobombing. And he says, I'd like to be your, your illustrator. And of course, The Art of Photobombing is all pictures. And so right. he drew a caveman uh, photobombing another caveman. And that was the only drawing he did. It was stick figure. And I gave him credit on the front cover and said illustrations by Alan Wilterdink. I mean, there's not too many people named Alan Wilterdink. Is, is yeah, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> rare there. Wow. So I'm going to guess it's the same person because he is the kind of guy who would, who would be at an event like that. I'm thinking. Yeah, I, my guess is there's only like three Alan Wilterdinks. Well, hopefully this will reach him and that he will it'll revitalize him to create a new um, book of all his illustrations. But he is, he is funny. He is a very funny guy. So, uh, and he's considered one of the smartest in, uh, by many in the IT world. He, he, he can think outside the box so beautifully because I'm sure that it's, he sees a problem. He's able to get outside of it because of the illustrations in his head or how he actually draws a, a solution to a problem. So that's pretty cool. Um, so the secret knock, did that uh, evoke any ideas or next inventions, next uh, disruptors in the world? From me or from them? That was from a, you. Yeah, that's Greg. Well, or actually both. Actually both. That's Greg's whole point. No, it was, it was like I said, one of my first uh, talks that I had given. And it just emboldened me to keep sharing my story. Mm -hmm. It was like this group, this community of inventors and creators and entrepreneurs, where most of us were confused, didn't know what we were doing. It's the same story over and over. And so I felt, uh, you know, it was one of those times I really felt that I belonged and I found a home. So it was really empowering, really empowering. Well, we're going we're gonna to dig deep into some other stuff in the second segment, but right now we're going to take a, a small little break. Sponsors, Andrea, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. Yes, thank you so much for our featured sponsors, opus.finance and bees.social, B-E-E-S dot social. That is the website for both of those. And also be looking out for M2 to be launching in the next couple days, a cryptocurrency that will change your life and your world. I want to thank the Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA, the Umbrella Syndicate, I already mentioned, but it deserves it twice, and the Red Carpet Connection, MyMakeupLady.com, Lynn Benavides, and www.TheEMFFix.com, and of course, Voice America Influencers Channel, and we haven't mentioned yet that we support the Keep Smiling movement as our charity of choice. Ken Rashan is the co-founder, and I am executive director of that. And we save lives through smiles, creating a dose of hope. And we thank you and would love for you to donate to that. And you can go to www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com. And we will back, be back after these messages. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Well, 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 what a great segment with Rob Angel, the creator, visionary of Pictionary, and we're going to be taking a deep dive into what is life after Pictionary, and we are really doing this show because he was agreeable to being part of a project where we're choosing 500 people in the world that we are inspired by, that we want to honor for the things they do to make the world better, and this is the book called A Dose of Hope, and uh, Rob was all too excited. He says, let me write 10,000 words and <laughs> you guys, you guys chisel it down to 2000 words. I said, you know, that's a lot of work for both of us. Why don't we just have a conversation and see if we can transcribe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Andrea, give a shout out to our sponsors and let's take off in segment two. Absolutely. Opus.finance, that's O-P-E-S dot finance and B's dot social, B-E-E-S dot social. Both those of those are websites and look for the M2 cryptocurrency coin coming out that will change your life and your world and humanity. The, um, the Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA, Voice America Influencers Channel, The Red Carpet Connection. And uh, I, I, I got them out of order, Ken. For so, so for some reason, uh, because I and Rob Angel I felt like I said them again. Uh, yes, uh, and Rob Angel is our guest today, and we want to remind you all that people like him create smiles in the world. So think of the KeepSmilingMovement.com as well. Five hundred one three C. You know, Rob, if you had changed your last name to Rob Ardvark, you would have been the first uh, author in this book. I just want to let you know that. So. <laughs> This is going to end up being 12 parts. We're up to part three right now. But every time we finish a part, we reshuffle the authors right. that are in the book. And so <clears throat> the people in the middle of the alphabet kind of keep moving to the middle. And the people in the end always stay at the end, which is the newest one coming out. So you will never change part one. You will always be in part always one. In part one. <laughs> you always be in part one. I can't or shuffle I you out of it. Move to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we had this conversation a couple weeks ago. What was it about this project that uh, – because I, I, what I got from you is that you like to listen and really make sure you're attaching yourself to something that you believe in or something that is worth your time or whatever you want to call it. So what was it that uh, gave a yes, so to speak, and that you're part of this? Well, Ken, it's part of you, man. You know, our conversations and who you are and what you're trying to do in the world, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm just supporting you in this whole effort. It's just a great idea. Uh, just the word itself, dose of hope. Who doesn't need a dose of hope? Whether you're full of hope or not, it's not a hard concept. It's like, oh, I just, you know, as soon as you said it, I kind of, hey, I can do that. I, I, know, I can give one and I can be one. I can take one. So it's just awesome. a simple, easy concept to understand, which I always like. And it's uh, putting a smile on people's faces. What's wrong with that? 
Well, you really did make my day that day. Um, I was very happy that you were not only agreeable, but you were going to play big. And I was going to say this question for the rapid fire, but I would like to ask it now if it's okay. okay. Um, who, who inspires you? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say my kids, you know, uh, because they're adaptable. Mm -hmm. It's not just because, you know, they're my kids and they're beautiful, which they are, but, but they're always growing. They're always learning, trying new things. And they're my sounding boards for my life and I'm for theirs. And so it's uh, really a nice, wonderful, beautiful feeling to know that goes on. And every time I go off the rails, they take care of me and you know, it's all, it's all reciprocated. Awesome. So that you may, they may listen to this show. Do you want to give a, a shout out by their names? Samantha and Benjamin. Uh, she just started a real estate career. So now her name is Samantha. Okay. Sam her whole life. Now it's Samantha. But that's good. And how old are they? 25 and 27. Okay. So there's another uh, book. And since they're so inspirational, I do want to say that we, we want this pay it forward aspect of it, which I came up with, I guess, around December is that, hey, if I can only know so many people and I don't want to cheat the world out of who they know and who they know. So there's a new one called Hope is Dope. And it's more about <laughs> cool people that are able to speak to younger adults, like middle schoolers or high schoolers or college people, and they receive them. They accept them and they actually will listen and yeah. consider, consider that advice very sound. So um, we consider these gifts of paying it forward roughly 36,000. I know that sounds like a, a pretty big figure that's arbitrarily just thrown out there, but I think, you know, Rob, if you were to pay a publicist and pay for media attention for your Pictionary, 3000 a month is probably a, a very low figure, if not a very accurate one for what you have to pay to have the world kind of wake up that you exist or that your product exists or your service or your message. So um, if you want to give this to either or both of your uh, children okay. to write their hope is dope. And by the way, it's a lot smaller conversation. It's just 500 to 1,000 words of a defining moment that changed their life. And this is your choice. I'm just saying this on the air to say that um, th thank you to you. And if you want to pay it forward to uh, an inspirational adult or to your children or to both, that is how we pay it forward. So, so you have a, a lot of accolades after your um, name that you're not just the creator of Pictionary. I did want to actually, since partners are so important to me and yeah. how partnership works and holding you accountable, um, obviously support and yeah. In a lot of ways, um, the unstoppability of your dream. You had two partners, uh, Gary and Terry, and I didn't want to be remiss by not mentioning how they might have been so important to you and the difference they made in your vision coming true. Well, they made everything. They say you have to accentuate your positive strengths but acknowledge your weaknesses. And without that, I would have been in trouble. Because I, I don't want to run a business. I'm, I'm not a great businessman, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. I can acknowledge that. Acknowledge that. And so I needed a graphic artist because, as I said, I can't draw. And a, a, somebody to run the business. And Terry and Gary, two guys came into my sphere. The universe put them in front of me. And they had the skill set that I didn't have, right? You, gotta, you, gotta do, you have to do that. And the two, they bought into the mission. They loved Pictionary. They loved what it was. So we didn't have to fight over mission statements and all the rest of it. But for me, in business, in life, in licensing, and whoever I dealt with, the final piece was the core values. 
They have to line up and align. And for me, it's trust. It's trust. If I can't trust you as a business partner or as a licensing agent or something else, you know, I don't want to look over my shoulder all the time. I don't want to have to manage you. I don't want to have to worry about it. And they had that in spades. And that's why we made this beautiful team together. You know, our, our job descriptions in an entrepreneurial environment. Yeah, of course, they all you know, run over each other. Nothing's really totally defined. But man, having trust, that just set us up for success, period, without question. Yeah, that, that is uh, a great point. And I think it was uh, the part also that I liked was Terry saying to you why he bought in and you asked him, why, why are you interested in this? Because he says, I hate games. That's right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I enjoyed this game. And if I can enjoy this game when I hate games, then anybody can enjoy this game. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, he was terrible. He was worse than me, by the way. <laughs> the same team when we got started. He was terrible. That's cool. That's cool. So um, the accolades afterwards are that you're an investor, uh, you're a philanthropic um, advocate. So tell me about the philanthropic part first. It was my one partner, Gary, died of AIDS in 1995. And he was involved with an AIDS charity, Kids and Teens Affected uh, by AIDS. And so I just randomly decided to you know, help out financially. But then I wound up on the board of directors for 16 years. Mm. And this wonderful feeling sense of family uh, and the kids and just trying to help them out. And it's, it's just part of what you're supposed to do, whether it's 16 years or 16 hours. You've got to give it back. You've got to pay it forward. And it was just a wonderful experience to help those kids and be a part of that community, right? Uh, and, and so that's just all, always been a part of my life. So that's what you should do, but how has that made a difference for you? Oh, it, it's grounding. It just gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me a sense of belonging. You know, business is business and family, but there's all different aspects of belonging. There's all aspects and different groups to belong to and different tribes. And so that uh, charity was really one of my main anchors in my life in a very positive way. It gave me purpose. It gave me a home. Mm -hmm. and so giving to that of myself and my money and my time and my energy, which is just as important, was a fantastic experience. And unfortunately, with, you know, the, the cocktail and everything else, we kind of put ourselves out of business, which was great because people were living longer. And it's, so it's, it was a very, very positive uh, ending. Very cool. Now, the last time I asked a, an epiphany question to you, you said with a compliment, you have never been asked that before. And then it was like, no. So I'm going <laughs> to, so I have a, I have one for you that is um, related to something that's a Ted talk for me. And it's, it's called what's your SPH and what's your SPH is what are your smiles per hour? And I kind <laughs> of was thinking that it's interesting, but you actually have abundance because you have had a massive high, massively high SPH because you had tons of fun playing the game. You also had tons of fun seeing other people play your game, which was recyclable. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then it kept rippling. So I'm very clear that there's a connection between how high your SPH is and how abundant you are in life, which is how much happiness you have, how much, you know, financial uh, liberty or independence you have. So what do you say to that uh, um, comment? <laughs> you're good with these out of the blue you know left fielder 
Uh, I think smiles is internal. So it's how you feel happy. Are you happy inside? Are you comfortable? Are you feeling good about your day or that minute or that hour? And when that comes through and then that is put out into the world, it just comes back to you in spades. It just comes back to you. And so it's work. You know, not every minute of every day is full of smiles. Man, 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 man. When I do and I'm happy and I'm self-centered, meaning heart-centered, that's when the more smiles comes and that's when I have a bigger influence. And when they come back, I mean, how many times you walk down the street and you randomly just kind of smiled at somebody and they smile back at you? Oh, my God. You know how good that makes you feel? So the more we do that, the more we can do that every day, every minute of every day, open the door for somebody, whatever. That's when it's just contagious and it just, it builds and it builds and the world's a better place. So that was a beautiful answer. And I'm going to go a little deeper with that exact question. And that question is, could you measure the success of a game by an SPH factor? If you were doing test trials of games and one game was getting just a lot of smiles per minute or hour and another one was getting way low smiles per hour, would that be an indicator of the success of the game? Do you, th- do you think, do you think? I mean, yeah, I think, I think if you're, you know, to be a little esoteric, if your game is to create smiles, then yes, yes. mine was. You know, some yes. games, strategy games were smiling, you know, you don't want to do that. But as far as fun games, absolutely. Because the goal of a game is to escape, is to have fun. Picture is to collaborate and mm-hmm. just enjoy the hell out of yourself. And if you're not, and it's frustrating, you're not going to want to play it again. So, yeah. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, oh, that, that sucked. I'm not going to do that again. Well, I've never thought of that question before, and I just was wondering if that was an application. It seems like it could be. So I just wanted to ask it. So <laughs> um, so you speak on the topic of finding your aardvark. What is, I know you've explained what that means, but right. why is it important for people to uh, sought you out to get a, uh, you to speak to their group? Well, yeah, we can talk about, we talk, talk about the aardvark. You know, my, my story, while success, right? Everybody knows Pictionary. Everybody has a Pictionary story. But the story really is the hero's journey. I went through a lot of crap personally, emotionally, physically, with the game. So it wasn't a linear process to success. So when I talk, I talk about that. I inspire people. I motivate people knowing that, quite frankly, anybody can do it. Right, it's a, it's a hero's journey, but I was waiting tables for goodness sakes. Next thing I know, four years later, I'm making millions of dollars, biggest selling board game in the world. And so if I can do it and I can talk to you, I can get you to do it too. I, I can motivate uh, and like I say, inspire. And it's just a fun journey. Well, I might've missed that part in the book. Um, what was the physical challenge? Oh man, we had production issues, we had marketing issues. Nothing, nothing goes well. And I used, to t- I used to take the production issues personally. We had this one production problem right in the beginning, and we were sent out in- invites. The for- sales sheets? Oh, okay. Uh, that was the second. <laughs> You're kidding me moment. But we were supposed to collate, sort a, a thousand games, uh, games from the printer. We sent out the invitations, and so we've got a thousand games. We have to sort 500 cards per game. And the printer calls us eight days before the launch. And he says, hey, we can't do it. And now I go absolutely crazy. 
I, I take it personally. I think the, the owner of the printing company is sitting at his desk, feet back going, you know, how can I screw with Rob today? You know, I don't like Rob. I'm going to mess with him. Of course, he wasn't doing that. But that was my attitude. So I had to get over that. Don't take things personally when things go bad. Uh, that saved me down the road. But in that moment, that was a very bad moment. So there's, there's yeah. all. Yeah. So uh, you have a different maturity, obviously, at this point. But what, what, was, the, uh, what was the outcome of that? That they we got it. My partners and I figured out how to do it. We were creative and figuring out how to sort the cards. It, it would literally be taking 9,580 packs of playing cards, throwing them in the middle of the room, mixing them up, and then having to put them back into the decks. I mean, come on, the box, come on. Uh, but we wound up, we could trust each other, right? This worst moment of our lives. It was like, we can't do it. We showed resilience. We showed creativity and get it done. We showed that we had to get the job done. So we did rather than crumbling. And from that moment, we knew we had each other's back. We knew we could count each other. We knew we could trust each other. And it was a brilliant moment. So every time you think, oh, the world's coming to an end, there will be a positive outcome. There will be an upside to it. So just get through it. Keep plugging away and look back at it. Not just go, okay, we're done. Look back at it for the positive that came out of it, out of those negative moments. And they'll just start adding up into more positive and more positive. Well, I just wish I had a challenge, Rob, because I, I just never have had a challenge, you know, with a, a nonprofit, like a Keep Smiling movement. So hopefully uh -huh. a challenge will come uh -huh. about so I can learn something. Uh -huh. Yeah, hopefully you can hear the sarcasm in that. Uh -huh. That was my uh -huh sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, very good advice. And I do agree without that, uh, w without that challenge, there's not a learning point either. It's just, everything's working out just fine. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to find out those, those gold gems. So as an investor, uh, what do you invest in? What are your next, uh, things that you're doing after a Pictionary? I invest in people, uh, because can they get the job done? Cause that's the, the variable. Or the people. There's a thousand great ideas that people come to me. There's a thousand ways to make a game. There's, a, you know, there's tons of them. But I look at the people and are they committed? Do they really believe in what they're doing? Are they willing to sacrifice to make whatever it is they're trying to get accomplished happen? Because even with Pictionary, it sounds like, oh, invented a game. Next thing you know, he's making a million bucks. No, there's a lot of work in everything you do. So, if the people are committed, they know what they're doing, they're willing to admit what they don't know, then I'm interested in it. Then I'll dive deeper. Then it becomes a little bit of dollars and cents. So I like talking with the, uh, the younger entrepreneurs where I'm having an impact. And that's kind of where I, I gravitate towards. So are you listening to people about ideas for games or about any business? And if you know, in any business, I've physically been out of the game business for quite a while. Uh, I realized when we sold Pictionary in 2001 to Mattel, I loved Pictionary, but I didn't love the game business. So I didn't get it. I didn't feel the need to go back. And that was a big problem. When we sold the company, I'd been with Pictionary for 20 years. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it's gone. And I'm like 43 years old, middle, no, middle aged. I'm going, what's next? So it, it was hard having all those options. I know it sounds weird, but not knowing what to do. So it took me a couple of years to find my way. And that's when I found this nonprofit. That's when I started mentoring, doing some investing. But everybody kept telling me, 
got to get another game wrong. You got to start another business. You got to be successful again. Prove yourself. No, I don't. Everybody, no, everybody put me in that box. Everybody told me what I needed to do. Like Steve Jobs says, you only get one life. Why live somebody else's dream? Right. So I, was, right, I was like, you're right. I'm going to see where the universe takes me. And it was brilliant. So I, I spent a number of years living my dream. Finally. We'll do, we'll do one more kind of short question. Then we're going to go to rapid fire. So what are you working on now that really has you excited? Yeah. You know, right now with the book Game Changer, I am wanting to turn that into a masterclass and a documentary or a movie. I think it's a great story and I'm starting to work on that. I think I, I know, I think I know it needs to get out there and uh, have people see it. Cause as I said, it's, it's, it's the hero's journey. And that's, what's giving me excitement again. I mean, writing the book was amazing. And now it's time to share it again, share, share my story again. Yeah. It's a nice, uh, accompaniment to like Wishman, like another hero. Type Absolutely. I love that movie. You yeah. know, Frank Shankwitz, the make a wish foundation guy. Yeah, yeah it seems like the kind of movie that should be on Hulu or something like that. That uh, 100%. Just, yeah, that's really cool. Okay, well, we're going to go to rapid fire now. What uh, we're going to start off with, besides your phenomenal book here, what is a book that changed your life? And you can the say four, one or two. Uh, the Four Agreements and the Untethered Soul. Okay, good. Thank you, Andrea. What's the song that really gets you jazzed up and moving? <laughs> the Impossible Dream by Jim Neighbors on YouTube. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it? I just love the message. You know, it's one of those crescendos. It's, it just builds and builds and builds. So by the end of the song, I'm ready to go slay dragons. I mean, I, I'm like so enthused. I'll be brushing my teeth and I'll put it on. And by the end of it, I'm like, okay, what do I got to do? It's like just so empowering. Well, the, I will tell you, that's a unique one. We have never heard Jim Neighbors uh, mentioned on our show, much less his song. So that's really something. Yeah. <laughs> he was a kind of a, a threatening guy, very intimidating gentleman. He, he was. And there's several <laughs> versions of it. But I tell you, you know, possible. <clears throat> Harry Como did one, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I don't like his version as well. Okay. Robert Goulet and Jim Neighbors. Goulet's is really good, too. Okay, cool. Um, so what movie or movies inspire you? Oh, I forgot the inspired part. Touch, uh, Tombstone has always been one of my favorite movies. Uh, that's always my go-to movie. Yeah, that's I'm, a cool one. That's a cool yeah, one. You know, I, don't know, I don't know how many messages are there, but I, I just love the story. It is a cool story. All right, Andrea? If you had a superhuman power, what would it be? Oh, my. Uh, it would be to, um, to redraw. To draw. <laughs> no, I, can, I can practice that one. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with the read people's minds. But I have to be able to turn it off. I don't want to read people's minds all the time. Yeah, I mean, you would, sure. ace, you would ace Pictionary. They yeah, they'd, have the they'd be the first dot and you go, I think I, <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> now, I told to Rob that that's, we used to take his game and do uh, our own versions of it. And I, we would make really complicated things. And I won once because someone drew a blue line and I said, it's a cor it's a blue Volkswagen in a cornfield. And I got it right. Wow. That was well, not my words, by the way. I don't know where that one came from. Well, we, we would just, because we had played through the whole thing so many times that we had to make up and add stuff to it. We needed an advanced version. <laughs> so what's a, what's a, your favorite Pictionary spinoff? 
Actually, oh, spin on. Oh, man, another good question. Uh, I'm going to say one that didn't work very well, and it was picture, party Pictionary. It was two wipe-off boards, you know, about this, well, you can't see, probably about six, <laughs> uh, two feet tall, and teams would play on the opposite side of each other. And so instead of being around a board, you were literally in each other's faces screaming at each other. Uh, didn't, didn't quite catch on, but that was always my favorite. Cool. Andrea? Now we still do that. I told uh, Rob we have uh, two five by four foot boards that we yeah. use, so it's so fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go ahead, Andrea. We're down to a minute. Oh, um, oh, oh uh, well, I do. I want to tell him this instead of asking you a question. So uh, I have never been a fan person. Like I don't get all giggly or stupid around anyone I ever meet, I, and I meet lots of celebrities all the time. But when I met you, you were the only person that I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And that's because I've always played Pictionary so much. So I just thought you'd get a kick out of that. I appreciate <laughs> so, it. Thank you're you. Welcome. You're welcome. Back I, to just, you I just sheepishly peed my pants and went to that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That is the first response like that I've heard. See, a lot of firsts here today. Can I tell you? Yeah, absolutely. So who's someone you always wanted to meet? <laughs> Marcus Aurelius, oh. you know, of course. He's the, of course, you know, in the movie Gladiator, he was the king who got you know off by his son. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a fan of Stoicism, which is a philosophy. It's not really just, and he's a big Stoic and a lot talks a lot about it. And that's where I learned this: don't take things personally. Right? Hmm. Facts, facts don't change. The facts right. were the, the cars weren't sorted. So oh, rather than getting upset, I had to get it worked out. Well, we're going to go with one last question real quick. Okay, I'm go for what? it. Whew, I'm Good, nervous. Okay. Yes, what, okay, ready, go. <laughs> what quote do you live by? It's never too late to be who you might have been. George Eliot. Beautiful. All right, we're going to do our shout out to our sponsors and then do a nice little group photo. And then we'll draw on top of our photo afterwards. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you to opus.finance, bees.social, the Umbrella Syndicate. Perfect publishing. Big Events USA, The Red Carpet Connection, My Makeup Lady, Lynn Benavides, My EMF Fix, Voice America Influencers Channel, and a shout out to Energy, Technology, and Science Conference that we are sponsoring and helping with sponsorship and for the Keep Smiling Movement, a 5013C, Creating Smiles and a Dose of Hope to Help Save Lives. So this is Ken Roshan on Voice America Influencer Channel. And Rob, uh, one of my favorites. I mean, this your show, your game. Um, certainly, the, thank you for being part of the Dose of Hope. I can't wait to hear some of the people you would like to pay it forward to because I know you hang around with people that are doing great things as well. But uh, yeah, you've changed so many lives. I know you can't even imagine the incalculable indirect um, ripple effect. So I just want to thank you on behalf of the earth and the world that you are awesome because you came up with something outside the box and I, I enjoy it with my family and everyone has probably told you this, but thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. I really do. So you have been amplified and we look forward to sharing your story with as many people as uh, we can to give them a dose of hope. So have a great week and we will see you next week. Stay amplified. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.